feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. It is called foot in mouth disease, and we're seeing it over and over again by our president. It is really stunning, and it's at pivotal moments, too, where we're talking about war, we're talking about international policy, the stakes couldn't be higher, and leave it to President Biden, he did it again. We're going to talk about that in this hour, and in just a few minutes, we're going to have the great Asia expert Gordon Chang join us to give us his take on what this means what he thinks the Biden policy is, and also how dangerous these gaffes from this president continue to be. I want to get your thoughts because I feel it is really dangerous. I mean, when I see him do these kind of things, it makes me think that we're in a really treacherous area. It's like at at first you're kind of like, okay, maybe some of his comments are kind of funny. You know, they're kind of silly. They're kind of goofy. Now it's to the point where it actually is downright dangerous. And it's really scary that the leader of the free world doesn't seem to be on the same page as the White House, seems to be saying a lot of things that are incorrect. Uh, The list goes on and on and on. And when you're dealing with foreign policy, the stakes couldn't be higher. And this is really scary. And it goes well beyond mental acuity. I mean, this is like, this is where the world is going Whoa, what is this guy talking about? Um, We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Eric Adams, New York City mayor, calling an emergency meeting with New York City business leaders after that terrible random train killing in broad daylight. Candidate for Senate, GOP candidate Joe Pinion is going to be joining us in the next hour to give us his take on crime in New York. And where we go from here. And right now it looks like the suspect is a repeat offender big time. 19 prior arrests. I mean, how many breaks do you need? This to me is shocking. Meantime, everybody around the world is talking about Joe Biden's comments. Take a listen to what he said, which is very different from the White House policy and America's policy for decades on Taiwan. There he is in Asia. He's standing next to the Japanese leader who has been asking for increased efforts against China regarding Taiwan. So he's been asking for this. So this is the scenario he's in. And this is what our president says. Take a listen to the Q&A. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's the commitment we made. So would you consider military intervention in Taiwan? And he says, yes. And boy, does that remind us of a lot of things. By the way, it was so crazy that Tony Blinken, Anthony Blinken, the secretary of state who was in the room, panicked. He started looking down, started calling feverishly like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe the president just said that. It was very clear that his aides didn't want him to say that. They've always kind of had this sort of ambiguous approach to Taiwan, always talked about a one-China policy. 
even though a lot of people are saying, hey, maybe that's the right answer. But clearly it wasn't the right answer by the White House. I want to read you a statement. The White House puts out minutes later, minutes later, you could tell that there was panic through the Oval Office. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe our president said this? They put out a statement saying, as the president said, our policy has not changed. He reiterated our one China policy and our commitment to peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. He also reiterated our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act to provide Taiwan with the military means to defend itself. That's not what he said. But they tried to do cleanup on aisle seven. And this White House has tried to do cleanup before. Take a listen. This is remember this statement about going in Russia, potentially going in to Ukraine. This is before they weigh in and listen to what he said. He opened the door to Russia. I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. So if they do a minor incursion, when I heard that, I remember when he said it live, I'm like, oh, my gosh, should he just telegraph to Russia? If you do a little minor incursion, maybe we won't stop you. And guess what? Russia did a lot more than a minor incursion, and they continue to pound Ukraine. And many people say, this president's comments opened the door. And then how could we forget when this president goes to visit troops in Poland? He's right there at the border in southern Poland talking to the 82nd Airborne. And he basically says, looks like you're going in, boys. Take a listen to this. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there. You're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. You're going to see when you're there. And so far, they have not said that they will put U.S. troops. By the way, there's some new breaking news that they may indeed put in some troops to protect the U.S. embassy. There's some discussions because they've opened up the U.S. embassy there in Kiev. And they might put like two dozen special forces, which is a whole other can of worms, guys, too. Uh, But anyway, what do you make of all of these mistakes? And how concerned are you that our president is bumbling and fumbling on the world stage? And to me, he is creating a crisis by doing this. It's 1-800-848-9222. To me, I feel this is disastrous. It is an enormous issue, and it is an enormous problem for American diplomatic policy. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is someone who certainly knows Asia well and has followed many a president, the great Asia expert, Gordon Chang. His website, and by the way, his Twitter feed is Gordon G. Chang, and you can get all the details there. Gordon, great to have you here on the show. Thank you so much, Rita. You know, Gordon, this is scary. Um, Wherever you feel about the policies, it's scary to have a president who the White House is like panicking. Apparently, it was like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, you would have thought the world's on fire because they realize what he said far was not the policy of the United States. I kind of want to just get to the bungling of it. And from your perspective as someone who deals with international nuances, because right away, There was no nuance from the Chinese. They came out, and they were furious. The Chinese have difficulty telling us how they feel, um, but the Biden administration clearly has mixed messages. 
You know, this is the third time that Biden has publicly said the United States will defend Taiwan and to have it immediately walked back by um, administration officials. It was the George Stephanopoulos interview of last August, the Anderson Cooper CNN town hall of October, and then, of course, today. And whatever one thinks of what President Biden said, and there are a lot of different views on the substance of it, what is clear is that there is disarray in the administration, that you have subordinates challenging him. Remember, under the Constitution of the United States, the president is the one charged with making foreign policy, and yet we have his subordinates um, subverting him, which means that they're actually subverting the Constitution. Um, also, it really means that his subordinates are saying he's unfit to be commander because he can't get the policy right. So these are big issues. Um, and as I said, regardless of whether you think the United States should be defending Taiwan or not, the point here, Rita, is that I think Biden owes the American people an explanation. He needs to tell us what his Taiwan policy is, because there have been so many messages from so many different in the administration. It is absolutely confusing. I think the Chinese are thinking they could take advantage of the disarray. And that's what means this is an extremely dangerous situation. So I agree with you on that. That's why, because this mixed messaging, just like you said, the fact that the White House came out so quickly, Gordon Chang, and condemned his comment or, or, or corrected it, I should say, um, trying to look like, oh, we're just clarifying his comment. It makes him look weak and it makes America look weak and it makes also us look confused, like we don't know what our policy is. And it also just I think it undercuts any efforts we're trying to do to show if indeed the message that he was doing was trying to show strength, uh, they undercut it. And it also shows who's in charge, that he's that he's not important enough that they undercut him every time. Yes. I mean, the, the question is, who is in charge in the White House? Because it's clearly not the president of the United States, because the walkback statements that have been made, both the official and the unofficial ones, um, obviously are not consistent with what Biden said. And that's a very important thing that you pointed out, that um, the walkbacks um, just clearly um, are not uh, did not describe what the president said. President was actually very clear on, on his position and um, what the president after you cut off the soundbite, was it was um, discussing why he felt that, and that was not consistent with the walkback statements. So, do you think that this is how he feels, but the rest of the White House doesn't feel that way? And it's almost like the minor incursion. Like I think that was what he felt—that a minor incursion was acceptable when he said it, and then he kind of walked that back. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, what do you make of that? Yeah, his instinct is that the United States will defend Taiwan. And you can see that from the Stephanopoulos interview, because there was a number of questions that Stephanopoulos asked where the president hemmed and hawed, and eventually Stephanopoulos had to tie him down and get a direct answer. But when he asked about Taiwan, um, Biden gave him a very quick, very decisive answer, no hemming and hawing. So it's clearly that's Biden's instinct is to say, yes, we will defend Taiwan. And I actually think that that's the right posture. But the point is, 
um, as you have just discussed, um, the statements from his subordinates then have confused the issue to the point where we have lost deterrence. And the Chinese have been very clear about this, especially since last March. They have been talking about how the United States can't deter China anymore. That's an extremely perilous situation that we're in. I think it's actually more dangerous than what we went through during the Cuban Missile Crisis or the Checkpoint Charlie crisis of the year previous, uh, because now we are so many uncertain things. Um, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Khrushchev and Kennedy knew that they were not going to launch nukes. Right now, we have no idea if indeed Putin or Xi Jinping feel the same way. You know, that's scary, because when you sit and you look at that and you're dealing with China, how much do you think they will react to what they just heard? They did come out with some comments, but where does it go from here, Gordon Chang? Um, That's a great question, and I don't know the answer. Uh, But I think in general, um, the Chinese look at the White House and believe that it is not capable because of the disorganization. No, the the Chinese know that the United States is a much more powerful country than China on the metrics. But they also know that the United States lacks political will. And the Chinese believe that they can manipulate the administration, our administration, into doing what it wants. And that's what makes this situation much more dangerous than most people view it as, because it's the question of the Chinese mentality. Now, I think the Chinese have gotten it wrong in many ways, but it doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong. What matters is what they actually think, and they think they can do whatever they want, and the U.S. won't stop them. Yeah, and that is a very scary place to be, Gordon Chang. I mean, that is really frightening, and that's why words matter and perception matters. And it's like every time this president has gone on a foreign trip, there's a major bungle. And when you're dealing with the high stakes and somebody like China, uh, the stakes could not be higher. Uh, what are your thoughts about military or not military intervention on Taiwan? Just what he was saying on the substance real quick. Yeah, I, I think if the United States were clear that the United States would defend Taiwan, the Chinese would not invade Remember, the Korean War started when Dean Acheson, Secretary of State, said the United States wouldn't defend South Korea. And Saddam Hussein in 1990 invaded Kuwait because the United States told him we would not defend Kuwait. Now, I believe that both of those wars would never have occurred if the United States had said we will defend South Korea or we will defend Kuwait. And I think history would have been much better if we had been more resolute. And so I think the same dynamic applies with Taiwan. Really powerful. So maybe his words, who knows, maybe maybe it may end up uh, helping in some form that they go, well, maybe they're worried for some reason. But sure as heck, the White House clearly is overriding him. And I think it makes him look so weak and it's so embarrassing. Uh, Gordon Chang, great to have you here on the show and great to get your perspective. Always, my friend. Oh, well, thank you so much, Rita. And you're absolutely right. Um, this is this bungling at the White House is amateur hour, and there could be nothing more perilous than amateur hour, 1600 Pennsylvania. Yeah, really scary times. Thank you very much, Gordon. When we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. Do you think it's amateur hour at the White House? As Gordon and I were both saying, I agree with Gordon Chang. It is really dangerous. It's really treacherous. And it's also embarrassing. And I think people like China and people like Putin and others are going, oh, boy, they just can't get it together. It just undercuts this president. It makes him look weak. It makes him look silly that he's bungling, first of all, that he can't even keep things straight. 
Um, or he's repeating the same policy that the White House is not on the same page because they're putting out a message correcting him minutes later. And apparently they were scrambling and panicking as soon as he said that, like, oh, my gosh, another gaffe by this president. Where do you think this goes and how much of a disaster do you think his recent bungles have been? Because the list goes on and on and on. 1-800-848-9222-1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This should be titled, Whoops, He Did It Again. Because President Biden is a big old gaffe machine, and he just did a whole other one while he was over in Asia talking about Taiwan, basically saying that, yes, the U.S. will protect Taiwan militarily if China should invade. The U.S. has never sort of said that policy. They've always kind of kept it ambiguous. And suddenly the White House scrambled. Tony Blinken and everybody else, and we're cleaning it up and putting out a statement saying, no, 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 that's not what he meant. Even though he's on audio tape saying it. I mean, you can hear it. You can see it. He's at the press conference, said it to the world. But it's like every time he seems to go overseas, there needs to be a major, like, fix of what he says. Here's a little bit of a comment from Douglas Murray, a Fox contributor, talking about the comments. And this is number 20 where he was talking about the reaction that many people have of President Biden. Take a listen. Uh, I think we're all used by now to the fact that sometimes President Biden announces a world-changing policy off the cuff and people have to clean up after him. Clean up on aisle seven, Joe Biden's overseas, and boy, the stakes could not be higher. And to me, it's scary. It's actually really dangerous that for some reason... He can't keep his messaging straight. He also, when he makes a statement, has to get corrected by the White House. That makes it look bad. It makes him look weak. There are so many issues here that I just think look really bad for U.S. foreign policy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to J.C. in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, J.C. Line 6. Your thoughts. Hey, hey Rita. The, the problem is this. Uh, if, you, if you have any intelligence, you know that this this president should not be there, okay? He should be impeached on every single level. He is a national, walking national security threat. He has the open borders. He's ignoring the judge on, on uh, uh, put back to Mexico policy. Uh, he, he, he's corrupt. Uh, his son is corrupt, but the problem is, is behind him to take over. What do we got? We got two two morons. We got Nancy Pelosi. We got Harris. Who's going to take over? So the problem is twofold. There's nobody nobody put in place, so you can't get rid of the guy, and and, and nothing could be done right. You know, JC, JC, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall and I thought about this today. You know, I would have loved to have heard Tony Blinken, the secretary of state who apparently got ashen 
when that happened, when when Biden made the comment and then he scrambled and got on the phone like, I can't believe our president said this. And now we got to clean this up. Um, I would love to hear those conversations of what they say privately. Do they go, gosh, can you believe this guy? He's the president. We got to fix it again. I mean, can you imagine? What do you think they say privately, JC? Uh, I I think they go out of their minds. That's what I think. I think they go out of their minds. They say everything that we say, okay, but they can't do anything about it. And that's that's the God on his truth. Because what are you going to do? We're in the middle of this this whole thing with Ukraine now with uh, with China and everything else that's going on in the world. What do you do? The only thing that really can happen is we need to get the Republicans back in. Okay, we need to have another alternative. Uh, Somebody has to dig in to see what alternatives there could be keeping in the frame of the Constitution to put somebody in place that's more viable. I heard I heard what you're saying, J.C. Right. You got it's crazy. It is crazy. And there are a lot of people talking about that. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a beautiful story of what our law enforcement do. And this is coming from Fredericksburg, Virginia, a beautiful place. What began as a simple traffic stop began became a race to save a life when police officers in Fredericksburg, Virginia, came to the aid of a choking toddler. Last week, an officer with the Fredericksburg Police Department pulled over a vehicle for potential speeding on the highway. That was when the driver leaned out of the car window and said that his young daughter was choking. Police said that Officer Durham examined the child, said that her airway was blocked by an object, but that she was still conscious. And after calling the EMS and backup, Durham turned the child over onto her stomach and began patting her on the back to dislodge the object. As Durham waited for EMS, two other officers arrived on the scene to help the child's airway open. And the police department said, situations like this give our officers goosebumps, make our stomachs drop, and make us want to hug our loved ones a little tighter than usual. The quick actions of these officers are truly remarkable. We're beyond proud of their commitment to our community. And great work by the men and women in blue at the Fredericksburg, Virginia, Police Department. And we are talking about not such great work by our president because, boy, he is fumbling and bumbling all over the place. And the latest case, here he is in Japan, and he's standing next to the leader of Japan. Japan has been encouraging him to maybe be much more forceful militarily, or at least say that he is, against China should they want to go into Taiwan. It's a very sensitive topic, the whole China-Taiwan issue. And the U.S. has always kind of been a bit ambiguous on purpose. That's basically been their policy. That's been the White House policy. But Joe Biden, well, he really kind of let it out today, and it rocked the world. Take a listen to what he said. This is being labeled his latest and one of his biggest gaffes. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's the commitment we made. You are. And the White House went scrambling like, ah, uh, 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 no, we're not. No, we're, we're not there yet, Mr. President. 
It's like when he came out and he was saying about regime change for Putin and all these other things. And boy, is this disastrous because the White House put out a disclaimer and had to correct him yet again. We have seen this over and over again. And to me, it's just so embarrassing that they can't be on the same page with messaging, that he comes out with a statement, then they correct him. Whether you think the merits of what he was saying is correct or not, it's clearly not what the White House policy and not what they want him to say or not what he should be saying. So it opens a huge can of worms. And so many people are saying, boy, is he like the gaff machine all over again? Well, this is what Kaylee McInerney, former White House press secretary, had to say. These gaps are alarming. They're weird to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're disconcerting when it's the president. But when it's in the context of foreign policy, it takes on an entirely different set of alarm, thinking that you could set off an enemy, a foe, a world power. And in this case, with this Taiwan remark, who was it that cleaned it up? The White House official who declined to be unnamed. In the case of suggesting regime change in Russia, who is it that cleaned it up? The official line was within minutes, a White House official was telling reporters it was not the case. When he was in Warsaw, remember what he said about chemical weapons? If Putin uses chemical weapons, he said, quote, it will trigger a response in kind, somehow yeah. suggesting the United States would use chemical weapons. Mm-hmm. Troops in Ukraine, he told the 82nd Airborne, you're going to see when you're there. And then the minor incursion remark that Jen Psaki well, must have been yes. dictating the cleanup statement in her office. I mean, the list goes on. This is foreign policy. You can provoke enemies. Ooh. This is foreign policy. And as she just pointed out, there have been so many gaffes by this president, so many of them, including this one that she just brought up about chemical weapons. Remember when he said this and the world went, oh, my gosh. So you've warned about the real threat of chemical weapons being used. Have you gathered specific intelligence that suggests that President Putin is deploying these weapons, moving them to position or considering their use? And would the U.S. or NATO respond with military action if he did use chemical weapons? You know, on the first question, I can't answer that. I'm not going to give you intelligence data, number one. Number two, we would respond. We would respond if he uses it. The nature of the response would depend on the nature of the use. We'll respond potentially in kind. We'll respond. I mean, all this opened the door so much, and it's like a gaff machine after a gaff machine. And Emily Campagno, this is Cut 27, where she talked, and she basically said that this just looks so bad that Biden and the White House are, like, not on the same page. He makes a statement, then they put out a quick correction. It's like this is becoming habit-forming, and this is frightening for foreign policy. That is the exact message that we are sending Beijing. That's the exact message Hmm. that we sent the Kremlin, which is that this president doesn't know what he's talking about. And that is a scary proposition. And he looks foolish that they suddenly put out a statement saying the president meant to say, basically. I mean, it's like every time he goes on a foreign trip, there's like 10 of these. And some of them are catastrophic. I mean, some of them are life-altering and potentially inciting a war almost. I mean, that's how serious this is. And it's like the minor incursion statement. You don't give somebody like a Putin, hey, it's a minor incursion. If you do a minor incursion, no problem. He just gave him a green light to invade. And so many people say that was irresponsible of an American president prior to Putin. Putin just said, oh, gosh, okay, if I do something small in his mind, maybe it's okay. The answer is don't go in at all.
And then in this case, it was like, wait a minute, the White House had to hurry up and fix him? It just makes this president look bungly, it makes him look stupid, and it makes America look bungly. And that is not a good thing for foreign policy. It just looks so bad. It undercuts him. Here's a little bit more of Emily Campagno talking about that. But when it has to do with the realm of foreign policy and diplomacy, the stakes are so much higher. And what happens if, unlike the mainstream media or unlike the Democratic Party, what if President Xi just doesn't accept the White House press secretary's cleanup or the anonymous <laughs> official's cleanup, right? What if he says, well, actually, yeah. what I heard the president say was that he would engage in force, and therefore I will respond in kind right now prophylactically. That's the danger this has here, is if equal in-kind leaders respond in kind with President Biden's comments. That's what's frightening. Yeah, that is what's frightening. When you're dealing with people like that who say, well, this is what I heard the president of the United States say, So that's why I'm doing X. Boy, is that scary that you don't know when he comes out is like, what is he going to say? Like, it's funny because there's an it's sad, but funny that a number of times they're like trying to like turn off his audio because they're afraid. What else is he going to say? How scary is that? That's the president. That's the leader of the free world. And they're treating him like he's a third grader, like they're afraid of what he's going to say next on the world stage that could cause World War III. That is a frightening place to be. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ on line three. BJ, isn't it scary to see the president just haphazardly making statements and then getting undercut? It's like It seems like almost every time he's gone on a foreign trip, this happens. Excellent show, Rita, an excellent point. I'll tell you this. What we're seeing is a stark comparison between Donald Trump's vision, his uh, boldness, his leadership, and Joe Biden's fecklessness. Donald Trump would never have tipped his hand and said either way what was going to happen, Only, and, and neither would Ronald Reagan, only in as much as that there are conclusions for unacceptable actions. And that's all you would know. And the next thing you would see is all sorts of uh, a rain of, of, of nonsense coming down on our enemies. But what you see now is you see leadership from behind. You see always playing catch up with the world's bad actors. <clears throat> we knew that uh, Putin was amassing on uh, the Ukrainian border for over a year. We did nothing. We saw the open border broken down at the southern part of our country, and we did nothing. We saw gas crisis on the horizon. We did nothing, always leading from behind. Now we have a baby formula crisis. So you never know. He's kind of what they call used to say a loose cannon. You never know what's going to happen with Joe Biden. And of course, the people that are surrounded in his circle who are really pulling the strings – they they don't they have a vision of course and it's in my opinion it's very starkly different from the conservative vision of Donald Trump and they they just they don't need this this guy popping off his mouth letting any more cats out of the bag so they they immediately go out into damage control mode but uh, we really have to pray and we really you know, this is the type of thing that sends world markets fluttering up and down. We have all these market corrections, and, and uh, we're worried about recession because of careless speech uh, in front of the world stage. You know what? It You hit some great points. And let me ask you, do you think 
You had, I thought some fascinating areas there, BJ. Do you think he really means it and he just said it? Or do you think he doesn't mean it and doesn't realize what he's saying? I mean, do you think he's like, like you said, a loose cannon? Is he revealing what his policy is or what maybe U.S. policy is that's not supposed to come out? Sort of like that minor incursion comment. Remember when he made that? And that seemed to be the U.S. policy, even though, you know, he wasn't supposed to say it. And then afterwards they were like, oh, no, 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 no. He didn't really mean that. But but he kind of stood by that. So I'm wondering, is he leaking like a sieve? Nothing surprises me what comes out of his mouth. It's been so bold. What surprises me is his laugh track uh, vice president. Uh, she's like a Cheech and Chong movie. If you like word salad, you'll listen to her. I mean, she makes absolutely no sense lately. I don't know what's going on with her. But he says these things that are totally off the wall. And again, he's been very consistent. Leadership from behind. We don't act, we react. We don't have a policy, we have a catch-up plan. And and it's always, we're always the worst for it now. We're, we've really stepped down in terms of leadership, and this has set the American people, in my opinion, it's really rocked their confidence, and also our allies that rely upon us to be the beacon of light, the shiny city on the hill. They're they're looking at each other and they're saying, well, if if the United States (laughs) doesn't have their act together, who does? And what are we going to do now? No, you're right. You're right. It sends such a message of weakness, and that's what what concerns me even beyond – yeah. Just just the incompetence and the mixed messaging. BJ, thank you. Great to have you here on the show. Always great to hear your thoughts. Let's go to Jeffrey, line four from Connecticut. Jeffrey, your thoughts. Rita, nice to talk to you again. Um, what I wanted to say was, you know, I mean, Joe Biden right now is the, the drunk kid at the keg party that's getting you and your group of friends into a f- with the entire football team from the other school. He's out there. He is provoking that's a great analogy and i i wish it wasn't true but i feel like you're you're spot on jeffrey well i mean really look at it you're you know you're there you know that the guy's out of control you're like all right let's just keep him in line for a little oh no and then he steps over the line and now what are you going to do the football team's over there crushing beer cans against their head and you're standing with your hands in your pocket with your cardigan sweater and you're saying oh my god what are we going to do now yeah, that's a really good. Now, how do you how do you make his comments? Do you think they're what he's thinking and he just said it? Because he also misspeaks, Jeffrey, too, very frequently. And in fact, I want to play a comment, Jeffrey. I'll get you to respond. Um, this is a famous comment that he made that was completely wrong, completely false um, and completely inaccurate. Um, this was on Afghanistan, but that's why I'm not sure how to make him. Sometimes I wonder, is he? Leaking like a sieve, or is he just saying whatever he feels like saying, whether it's true or not? Um, this is him several months ago. Remember this famous moment. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. And sure enough, they were lifted. And sure enough, evacuation happened. And remember what a disastrous withdrawal. So that's why, like, is he just speaking or is he leaking? Jeffrey, what do you think? In my opinion, I mean, I've seen people in cognitive decline. I'm sure you've seen people in cognitive decline. In my opinion, there are many times where there's like limited lucidity, where the person thinks and says what they think. But then 
you know, I, it was almost like the reporter that asked the question, the journalist that asked the question. She was taken aback by his by his answer, and he could tell by the tone of her voice and her reaction. And it was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. But yeah, you off, could tell it was off yeah. the cuff. Right. In other words, it was off the cuff. Right. And then he said, yeah, that's the policy that we haven't, that's our, the the commitment we made. I'm trying to think of the verbiage yeah, that you, we you have in place. Tell that he, you could almost tell that he, he knew that he kind of, he, he went out of his lane right there. But right. it's like this in and out. It's in and out with the lucid, you know, you're either lucid or you're not lucid. But with him, you can tell that he's in and out. He's in and out. And guess what? We are in a, <laughs> we're in a tough spot right now, Rita. It is. It is scary. Jeffrey, thank you. Let's go to Stan on line three. Stan, your thoughts about this. Thank you, Dr. Demento, for your mental uh, understanding of what he's thinking. Uh, who, it, you're, uh, who are you referring to, Sam? Not you, him. All right. Just called. He Jeffrey, gave his Jeffrey had some you. interesting points. Yeah, well, well, here's the point. Let's get some. Uh, the right, the conservatives, should be standing up and applauding what he said. Because I know... You and I'm a liberal, you know. I know, and you know, it will come down to it. It will happen. We will defend Taiwan. The talk about, you know, the conservatives, you're saying mental, his mental acuity. He finally said something that is absolutely true, though you will never admit to the fact that it is. He said exactly what could happen. Three to five years from now. So, Stan, let me ask you. I agree with Hang a, on. a thousand percent. And by the way, there are a number of people who do agree with what he's saying. That's not sort of where I'm focused on. Where I am focused on is the fact that the White House puts up a statement literally within minutes of him making that, basically saying, oh, no, 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 our policy hasn't changed. Clearly, this was not what they wanted out there. And they did not want him putting that statement out. And they were trying to rectify his comment yet again. You got to admit, Stan. And I know that you know you come out and you say you're a liberal. You got to admit, you know that that this guy is is a couple sheets to the wind. This is no, not. I don't think so. This is I mean, not. Okay. This is not. He just said. You just heard my clip where he said we won't see people evacuated from the rooftops. Sure enough, we did. He just said, you know, maybe there could be a minor incursion. Do you think that that's you say that to Russia before they're thinking about invading? If you just go in a little bit, maybe we won't do anything. I mean, that's outrageous, Stan. There's some uh, there's well, some really shocking about? statements. Come on, Stan. You, you you know, you there's definitely something wrong that these comments happen and it doesn't look good that the White House has to keep correct. The White House, Anthony Blinken went into panic mode, according to every reporter that was in that room. When he said it, he was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like worried about World War III based on his comments. That's a scary place to be, Stan. Is it not true that we would go and help Taiwan if China invaded? It's a simple answer. Do you believe? Look, I don't want war with anything, but he said what we all know to be true. He, he didn't say it quick. She asked him a question. He waited, and he said, we will defend them. And he said it very clearly but, to me. Uh, Stan, that Stan, wasn't a mental Stan, Stan, the White House corrected him afterwards. They, well, on this one, they had no business correcting. Uh, well, but, and I think he said. But they corrected him because they felt like it was he was totally out of line. Is it and, true? And he Rita. listen, listen. Hang on one second. Right. Hang on one second. Don't you think that that sends a terrible message to the world, Stan? That sends a Excuse horrible me. message to the world that he says one thing and the White House corrects it. 
Now, I'm not talking about the merits of the statement. I'm talking about the messaging sends a terrible message of weakness that no, they're not on the I, same page. You don't no, have a White uh, House well, undermining I, the president. God, God. I, there's no doubt I think he, he probably corrected them. He said, we, that's going to be our policy. We will defend them. What is, what he, is he not telling the truth? Will we not do it? Absolutely, we will. Who do knows it. with this guy, Stan? My uh, goodness, I, I, Stan! Well, you, Stan, this guy is flipping. This guy's flipping and flopping like I have never seen a fish flip and flop. I mean, he is all over the place, Stan. And it's scary to see that at one point the White House corrects the president. That is a very undermining issue. But they were so worried by his comments. Your liberal friends in the White House undermined the liberal president. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues that they got going on there. That looks so bad, and that sends a message of weakness to the world. But, Stan, I love you. Everybody will continue with your calls, 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. A little I Want to Go Back by Eddie Money. I love Eddie Money. And I think a lot of people are saying, gosh, there's a lot of things they want to go back to. Cheaper gas prices, maybe a clear. At least, listen, with President Trump, you may not have liked what he said, but he said it. And you never saw them retracting every time he made a comment. That, to me, is a dangerous, scary place. And that's what we're seeing with this president right now. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire. Line two, Pete. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Love you Good evening. Thank you, my friend. What do you think? What, what do you make? I think it's scary that the White House has to consistently correct this guy. Well, it's beyond scary, Rita. Okay. Number one. Number two, Gordon, Gordon, got, Gordon Chang got it right. He nailed it. Okay, your 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 guest, Gordon Chang. Yeah, no, he's he's on it. I'm telling you, he's on it now. What what do you mean in terms of? He said this is just dangerous. Well, it is dangerous, but you have to remember, Rita, and as a Vietnam vet, I know all the logistics and I know the playbook in Washington right now. I know what's going on there. Seriously, I do, and I'll tell you, they just moved. Susan Rice is his main key advisor, number one. Number two, Anita Dunn, who is a total whack job, has been moved over to the West Wing. And that tells me it should tell a lot of your listeners where where we're headed with the, the ship of fools. That's a sc- happen, Pete, Pete, that's a scary place to be, my friend. That's a really scary place. Always love your calls, Pete. Thank you very much. Michael, real quick from Virginia Beach. Go ahead, Michael. Line one, real quick, Michael. Uh, yeah, it's going to be quick. Yes, uh, it's going to be quick because uh, you get an A-plus for uh, following in the footsteps of Dr. Joseph Goebbels. You haven't proved a single Michael, point tonight. Michael, what are you kidding? I'm going to hang on. Michael, Michael, I'm Michael, hang on. you can hang on, but boy... Uh, I know where you're coming from because you think that Biden walks on water, and I think we've got a serious issue here. Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is The Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. A senseless shooting on a New York City subway. It's making headlines across the country tonight. And it looks like the suspect who authorities are looking for has 19 prior arrests. That's right, 19 prior arrests. It is outrageous. And boy, does this just look bad. It was a random shooting. It was a Goldman Sachs executive on his way to Sunday brunch in Manhattan. Can you imagine? And then suddenly a random shooting, a guy comes over and shoots him on the Q train. And tonight, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City is calling, had an emergency meeting, calling business leaders basically to get together and what can they do to restore faith in New York City. And he's also saying that this violence must end and that New York must be a beacon for the country, because a lot of big cities around the country are facing these problems. But New York, we have had these situations over and over again. And it's not just for folks who live in the area. It's also for tourists. It's a symbol of a situation out of control. Take a listen. Here is Mayor Eric Adams. It's unimaginable. You're sitting down, going to brunch, going to visit a family member. A person walks up to you and shoots you for no reason. And that is why I have been so dogmatic about, one, getting the illegal guns off the street, but then getting the shooters. Well, if you're going to get after the shooters, you got to get after the people who are letting them out. This person that they're looking for, this alleged suspect, again, is 19 priors. It's like, how many priors do you need to indicate that that person could be a troublemaker and maybe shouldn't be out on the streets? So we need to also look at these repeat offenders, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. Uh, Here's a little bit of the NYPD chief, Kenneth Corey, describing the scene and what happened. We're doing thousands of new inspections and visuals in the system. This is what is needed to complement our system. The system must be safe. We know that. And we're going to ensure that it's safe. And that is Eric Adams talking about what he's planning to do on the subway. Here's a little bit more. This is Kenneth Corey from the NYPD talking about the scene. The suspect is described as a dark-skinned male who is heavyset with a beard. He was last seen wearing a dark-colored hooded sweatshirt, gray sweatpants, and white sneakers. And they are still looking for the suspect. Luckily, they've got some video. And again, this is a guy with a massive prior record. So are officials missing the mark? Are they doing enough? We're going to talk with Joe Pinion, who is the GOP U.S. Senate candidate representing New York, uh, fighting to get the seat in New York to unseat Chuck Schumer. That's a biggie. Um, They're going to be going head-to-head soon. And he is going to be joining us on the show show coming up in about about 25 minutes or so from now. Um, An African-American conservative. Um, He also went up to Buffalo, too, because he wanted to do what he could to help that community after the mass shooting there. So we're going to talk about crime In New York and a lot of big issues coming up later on in the show. In the meantime, we are talking about the gaffe 
heard round the world. And I want to play it again because everybody's going, whoa, wait a minute. And you could tell that reporters in the room were shocked when President Biden said his latest kerfuffle. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's the commitment we made. And suddenly everybody in the room panicked. Everybody. And here is General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, his reaction when he was asked as a follow-up to that. And then, General Milley, could you, since you, you know, you're talking about the risks with Ukraine, can you walk us through what you see the potential risks that would uh, be a part of a U.S. military defense of Taiwan should China invade? Yeah, I actually won't do that, Courtney. I appreciate the opportunity to not answer a question. Uh, but... Um, there's a variety of contingency plans that we hold. All of them are highly classified, uh, Pacific, Europe, and elsewhere, right? Um, and it would be very inappropriate for me at a microphone to discuss the risk associated with those plans relative to anything with respect to Taiwan or anywhere else in the Pacific. And then they asked him a little bit more, and he kind of dodged and weaved this one, too. I'll give you the opportunity to not answer one more question. Is that would you support sending U.S. troops to Taiwan? I will render my advice at the moment in time to the president and the secretary of defense. And soon after the White House issued a statement saying President Biden basically misspoke when he said that there would be military intervention if China went into Taiwan. And he said, you know, basically there was just a little bit of circling back there. He, what he really meant to say was X, literally putting out a statement undercutting the president within minutes. And many people today are talking about this because there's been a lot of gaffes from this president as we've been talking about. And he has consistently made a lot of questionable comments over the last few months. And especially when it comes to foreign policy. I mean, he's just made so many of them that are not consistent with the White House. They don't seem to be on the right page or the same page. Even if what first of all, remember the minor incursion thing? We talked about that. That to me was outrageous. I think it gave a green light to Vladimir Putin. And now this comment already China is saying, well, if they're going to go in with military, well, then uh, maybe we'll be preemptive. I mean, this is catastrophic. You've got to make sure that you and the White House are on the same page to have a White House sending out a message saying the president didn't basically mean to say that what he meant to say was X. That makes the president look bad, it makes the White House look bad, and it makes America look bad. And this is how Douglas Murray, Fox News contributor, described it. We're just, we just going to have to put up with this for the rest of the Biden presidency, mm. that uh, we get thrown these curveballs, sort of accidental policies thrown out, uh, followed by an insistence that nothing has changed and actually the status quo position has remained in place. Everyone knows this is the difficulty of President Biden and the people who have to mop up after him whenever he makes these announcements. Wow. So this is going to be par for the course. This is really scary. Buckle your seatbelt, guys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. I'm going to get back to Michael in a minute. I first want to go to Paul on line two. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Rita. How you doing? Good. What do you think of Biden? It, you know, the fact that the White House keeps to have to basically correct his statements, that's really scary. This is what it reminds me of. There was a movie a few years back called Bad Grandpa. Basically, the story goes 
an old man. He's running loose. He doesn't outrageous things. He says outrageous things. Shocks people everywhere he goes. This is like watching the sequel, Bad Grandpa 2, The President. And it's scary. And you know what's you know what's funny? Like, you know, you kind of go, gosh, that's funny when you hear him making some st- comments sometimes. But when you're dealing with something like international security, to me, there's no laughing matter. It's so scary, Paul, that to have somebody who is, quote, a bad grandpa. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is nothing funny about it. But you notice he says he supports the one China policy. So what I understand from that means that he believes that, yes, Taiwan should be part of China because that's what the one China policy is. But then on the other hand, he says he'll defend Taiwan. So he already contradicted himself before the White House came back and contradicted him again. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's like all over the place. And he didn't correct what they said. And see, what's interesting, Gordon Chang brought up in the last hour, uh, Paul, that he has made this comment a couple times before, and it's been corrected before. So it's like, like, is this maybe what he believes, but the White House doesn't want him to believe it, and he still keeps saying it? Or does he continue misspeaking? I mean, the fact that he's said this a couple times in the past, and now he's doing it again. I mean, it, it's it, you're right. It's like they're sort of all over the place. And then when they put out the statement correcting him, he didn't correct that. I mean, can you imagine if this was President Trump and they sent out a statement? It would be like, who put out that statement? You know, it would be, are you kidding me? You're you're undercutting me. I mean, it just the impression makes this president and this White House look weak. And that really saddens me. Uh, let's go to Juan on line six. Juan, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, thanks for taking the call. Um, you know, you just uh, said part of what I was going to say about Trump and you know, I don't take so much of an issue with what Joe Biden said about us using mil- the military if China, you know, goes into Taiwan because that might be the right thing to do. But imagine if Trump were president and he said what Joe Biden said, and then some White House official came out and said and walked out, walked back the statement that Trump said. Trump would have come out five minutes later and he would have given a press conference and he would have said, I'm firing this White House yes. official. And I meant it as I said it. Why doesn't Joe Biden, and this is for Stan, who called the last hour the liberal, why doesn't Joe Biden come out now and say, no, what I said stands as I said it? It doesn't, I, you know, why doesn't he do that? Well, that, that's right what, he, what, that's what, what he I'm said. saying. If, if that's what he believes and he is the commander in chief. It makes him look like, quote, a bad grandpa, like the last caller said, because for him to allow them to undercut him and him not to go challenge it looks ridiculous. It looks really bad because the next question, you know, there'll probably be other briefings during this trip. We'll see. Maybe there aren't any more suddenly. What a surprise, you know. But next time he's in front of reporters, the obvious question, if I'm a reporter at the White House, I'm going to say, so what did you make of the fact that they put out a statement? Did you misspeak, Mr. President? And then he's going to have to do some word salad and say, oh, no, I didn't really mean that. They didn't really. We're both right. Bob, you know, who, who knows? But you're right. Can you imagine Trump would have been like, who wrote that statement? That person's no longer with me. I'm the president. And, and you know, if we're doing policy, we have to be clear. I mean, that to me is what's really, really scary. Juan, thank you very much. Let's go back to Michael in Virginia Beach. Go ahead, Michael. Your thoughts after uh, you basically uh, equated people as Goebbels, but go ahead. 
That's you. You you are the Joseph Goebbels of our, our age. Well, that's, that's all, hey, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of comments, but that one is one for the record books, especially because my father fought you know, the Nazis, Michael. So that's really nice. But go ahead. It doesn't matter. You're, you're a genius at what you do. I'll give you credit. Uh, first of all, you haven't produced a single uh, second of audio backing up your claim that they corrected the president. I read why, the statement. Michael, why? Michael, get the wax out of your ears. I read the exact statement that they put out within minutes. It came from the White House. We're not making this up. We can't change the facts. The guy messed up on what he said. Clearly, it wasn't in sync with the White House. And the White House put out a statement clarifying his comments. Put it without without minutes. These are the facts. You don't want to accept the facts, and and, and I'm sorry for that, but I wish him luck. I want him to be successful because I want America to be successful. But for some reason, you think Joe Biden uh, speaks like William Shakespeare, and you think that people are making up the, what, that the White House walked it back is just a fantasy? They put out a statement that everybody in the media was reading because they disseminated it to everybody because they were panicked, Michael. They were panicked when he said those comments, and they quickly, quote, clarified it and put out a written statement, which I read, Michael. I'm happy to read it again if you need to hear it again, but I'm just telling yeah, read you. read it. Read it. All right. Here it is, Michael, for Michael, since the whole show's about Michael today. As the president said, our policy has not changed. He reiterated our one-China policy and our commitment to peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. He also reiterated our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act to provide Taiwan with the military means to defend itself, as opposed to the U.S. would intervene militarily. That is a very strong statement. That's a big difference. Michael, always love hearing from you. I love hearing from everybody. Have a good day. And, uh, Good luck with everything, Michael. Let's go to Richard, line two. Richard, go ahead. Rita, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. You're a lot more pleasant than the last caller, so I'm happy to hear from you. <laughs> well, Rita, now, I, I'm but, a... but by the way, I love, I love hearing people of all different opinions, so I welcome it, so I enjoy well, it. So You know what? There's a, there's a scene from uh, Mutiny on the Bounty with Marlon Brando when he's in downstairs in the cabin with uh, Captain Bly. And they were having some discussion, and Marlon Brando, or or uh, Mr. Christian at the time, Marlon Brando says to the captain, "Well, sir, it takes a, it takes all sorts to make up the world." In any event, I'm a right wing Republican. I've always voted Republican. Um, I'm not uh, a big fan of Donald Trump, although he did a lot of good things. But I think some of his behavior in the White House was atrocious. That being said. I support what Biden said today. I think China needs a reality check. And, and, I, and, and Richard, by the way, I don't necessarily disagree putting them on notice. What I'm talking, which what, they what, need what, to be put on notice. Absolutely, absolutely. What, what, what I have a problem is what I have a problem is is this mixed messaging, don't you? Because he puts out a statement, then the White House corrects him. Um, you know, it, it, like it just looks so bad. Because clearly this was not what they wanted him to say. And clearly he didn't, after they put out the statement, you didn't hear anything from the president. It's like he's being led like a little puppet, you know? That's the unfortunate part. What 
should have done was come out right after that and said, no, I meant what I said. We will use force, military force, to defend Taiwan. That's what he should have said. But, you know, that being said, um, I think it was, it, was, it was the first intelligent thing that I heard come out of Biden's voice in the last year and a half, and I applaud it. Well, and by the way, a, a number of other people have said the very, very same thing. The, the issue is that it got undercut, and now the Chinese don't know what to believe, nor does anybody else. And he clearly doesn't look like the leader because they put out the statement clarifying it afterwards, saying something otherwise, um, despite Michael thinking that they didn't. Anyway, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Mixed messages and what a mess. This cleanup on aisle seven by the White House of the president. Who's in charge? Got a lot of calls about this. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. You can never go wrong with a little Genesis, and there must be some misunderstanding because Biden clearly is all over the place. He puts out a statement, basically, on issues when it dealt with Ukraine that has to be walked back. Then he makes the comments in Warsaw. Then he makes the comments in southern Poland. The list kind of goes on and on and on. And the latest one about Taiwan saying that the U.S. would intervene militarily, that that's what we basically made a commitment to do, he said. And suddenly the White House went crazy and said, wait, 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 we've never said that, Mr. President. And they were doing cleanup on aisle seven. So this mixed messaging between the president and the White House and what appears to be another major Biden gaffe. And, of course, he's made a lot of them. I mean, where he has basically said, oh, we won't see people, you know, uh, taken off the rooftops in Afghanistan. We won't leave any Americans behind. Those were absolutely false statements. I mean, those were just false Nobody told me, you know, uh, about Bagram, about these issues. That doesn't seem to be true either. Millie and the others testified. So in this case, was he telling the truth and leaking like a sieve? Or was he just speaking and didn't know what he was talking about? And then suddenly the White House had to correct him. Either way, it looks really, really bad. Uh, Let's go to Christopher in Vermont. Go ahead, Christopher, your thoughts. Yes, uh, I was listening to Michael. Michael, uh, his ego won't allow him to uh, to realize that he made a mistake. Uh, that's unfortunate because our ego is such a key part of our human nature, and it works in such positive ways. And yet, on the other hand, it works in such negative ways because people just won't. They just won't acknowledge that they've made a mistake. And and you know what, Christopher? Great point, because you're right. Michael wouldn't even admit that the president made a mistake. He wouldn't even admit that the White House put out a statement, which everybody in the media has. Um, You know, he thinks, you know, he thinks his president walks on water. And clearly, it's been a big old gaff machine. Let's go to Laura on line one. Laura, your thoughts. Yeah, here's what I want to know. If I were a reporter in the White House and I would ask the president, I think it's the most important question, who gave out this statement that walked back Joe Biden's comment? And the reason for that is 
because the person that that walked back Joe Biden's comment about Taiwan is the person that's running this White House. That's the person that decided that Joe Biden was wrong about him saying that we're going to use military in, in Taiwan if they invade. And so that's the person that's really behind the president and pulling the strings. You know, Laura, that is a very good point. And can you imagine if this was President Trump? He would have been like, bring in that person who wrote that release, who approved it. They will no longer be at the White House. I mean, he would just be outraged and just say, forget it. Um, and he would overstep them and correct them. And he'd come out and, and publicly condemn it. But so far, Joe Biden hasn't said anything because just like you said, somebody else is running things. Who is that person? We need to know. That's a great Great question, and I hope it gets asked, and I hope we get the answer to it. And everybody, when we come back, Joe Pinion, U.S. Senate candidate, talks about crime in New York and the stunning case of the subway shooter. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming out of Beatrice, Nebraska. World War II veteran Frank Smith, who still volunteers in his community at 100 years old, was recognized last week for his service. He is the recipient of the Veteran Honor Award by the Gage County Board of Supervisors. He said, I was a volunteer, and that means a lot to me. Because I did so for my country. Back in those days, some 70 years ago, there were more feelings for our country and patriotism than there are today. And he said, that is sad. Boy, is that sad. Smith, by the way, enlisted in the United States Army in June 1942. He was honorably discharged in 1945. During his time in service, he was awarded the World War II Campaign Medal with three bronze stars. He was awarded the Good Conduct Medal, and Smith turned 100 on May 5th, and he is still delivering meals to the community. By the way, um, he spent two months in Africa, 15 months in Italy during 1942 and 1945, and he served in a heavy weapons company. And he said that people don't realize today how good they have it and how much the price of freedom really is paid by men and women. Um, what a powerful, powerful message from this man, 100 years old, and great to see him recognized for his heroism. Well, we are talking about crime across the country, including this horrible case in New York City. It made headlines across the country. 
a Goldman Sachs employee killed in cold blood as he was heading to brunch in Manhattan on the Q train. It happened midday on Sunday, just before noon on Sunday, broad daylight, random shooting. And it turns out that this shooter, the guy who they're looking for, has 19 priors and he handed off his gun to a homeless man who then handed off the gun to somebody else. So there he is passing it off. Um, he fatally shoots an innocent strap hanger. Then he hands off the gun to a homeless man who then sold the murder weapon to a third person, according to police. And it just is such a horrible, horrible case. And the headlines look so bad for New York City and so bad for so many cities around this country. And this is what Mayor Eric Adams had to say about the situation. We are going up against bad guys who have figured out the loopholes and systems, those who are unwilling to stop violence. They've made it clear by their actions that they're going to continue to be violent in our city and they're going to attempt to hurt innocent New Yorkers. And we have to meet that challenge. We have to meet that challenge. He is also organizing a meeting, sort of an emergency meeting with New York business leaders later this week to talk about this because New York City business leaders don't want to come back. A lot of them have not come back since the pandemic because the situation is so bad. And the victim's sister had this to say because she said so many people were scared when this happened. They took them by surprise and they also were scared to intervene because they were worried what would happen to them. Take a listen to her. When he finally stopped and shot my brother, everybody left. New York used to be if something happened, they would take care of you. They, they would come and help you. There were no Samaritans. People were scared because they could be next. How sad is that, that things are so dangerous in New York City and so many other cities across the country that people are worried to intervene and there is so much crime and where are all the police officers that are supposed to be down in the subway protecting people i thought the subway was supposed to be getting cleaned up that to me is so so sad and joining us now to talk about crime in new york is someone who's also by the way up recently in buffalo visiting with families there joe pinion he is the gop candidate for u.s senate for new york and uh, joe great to have you here on the show Rita, always good to join you, certainly not under these circumstances, but unfortunately, these circumstances are happening more and more in our great city, this great state, and this once proud nation. Yeah, and it's so, like, emblematic, sadly, of what's been happening across the country. This latest case um, with the shooter, and right now they have a suspect, they're looking for him, they have some surveillance video, thank goodness, because remember on that other shooting, the cameras weren't working, and it looks like the person they're looking for has 19 prior arrests, Joe. Um, I know that crime is a big issue in your campaign. Talk about this. Well, look, I mean, this is the lunacy that has been unleashed on society. Uh, when we saw last year, 12 major cities hit all-time highs for homicide. And Chuck Schumer and our president did nothing. Uh, now we have a new mayor who was supposed to change the tone of this city from day one, and yet he has found no help in Albany to actually alter uh, these bail laws that make no sense, allowing violent criminals to run roughshod over society. Uh, and we have had no remediation. 
uh, here to make sure that judges have the ability to make sure that people like this person of interest uh, with pending gun charges are not roaming the streets to use guns and kill people. And so now we have a city that has been crippled by fear. Uh, when you are a person who works at Deloitte and finds yourself shoved in front of a subway car, and now a person who finds themselves working at Goldman Sachs and finds themselves shot dead inside the subway car, these are the types of situations that prevent people from feeling safe in their own city, that have pick up stakes and leave town. And you think it can't happen in New York City. But just imagine what happens when, when Bank of America decides they're going to leave for Palm Beach because they can't find the quality workers to recruit. When you have somebody at Chase Bank saying they're going to pick up stakes and leave. You think we've got staffing problems here? You think we have economic problems here? You haven't seen economic pain. Like when the businesses that power this city and this state leave town because the people that run this town and run this nation will refuse to continue to support uh, for the people who are crying out for justice, crying out for safety and security. And by the way, Joe, um, also the mayor is going to be doing this emergency meeting with New York City business leaders, and a 100 of them are supposed to be on the call. It's supposed to happen later this week, and it includes also um, the shooting victim, Daniel Enriquez's boss, um, the Goldman Sachs CEO, uh, David Solomon, involved in the call because, you know, like you just said, it's like happening to be on. This was on a Sunday. He was going to brunch midday. Um, Do you think... Business leaders can have an impact on this. And are Republicans also missing the mark by focusing so much on just guns, 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 as opposed to this repeat offender? There's, I mean, to me, there's a lot of issues here. I don't want somebody like this having a gun when they're clearly unstable. Um, but I also don't like the fact that he had 19 priors. Well, look, I mean, it, it, just break this down a piece by piece. Uh, irrational violence, uh, it comes to visit all of us. Uh, irrespective of your race, color, creed, or station in life, when the people that have been entrusted with the safety and security of the American people decide to stick their head in the sand and say asinine phrases like, we need more data. Uh, We need to understand what that phrase actually means. When people say more data, uh, the points on the piece of paper are not just uh, random zeros on a spreadsheet. They represent real pain, real suffering, real death. Every piece of data that they are asking for is another person who's been killed, another person who has been shot, another family that's going to have to bury someone far before their time. And so we just need to make sure that in this moment, to your point, it's not about the guns. It is about a sickness of violence that has been unleashed like a plague on our society uh, because we have passed laws that make the people feel good, but in many ways have uh, most individuals to feel terrified in their day-to-day existence. So how can you turn this around? I know you're running for U.S. Senate, Joe. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, you have to recognize the power of the office for which you seek. Uh, it'd be ir- irresponsible to sit here and say that somehow uh, we are going to have a wall-to-wall impact on New York City as a United States But the Senate is supposed to be the most deliberative body on the planet. And with that responsibility comes a great opportunity, most specifically in the influence that comes from the power of the purse. Uh, We have federal dollars that are allocated for policing. Uh, We most assuredly can make sure uh, that if they are going to 
have uh, departments uh, like New York City, like departments all across this country that allow the three most dangerous words ever uttered in modern politics to unleash a plague of violence all across this nation, defund the police. We can say concretely, if you want to defund the police, you better have a compelling data-driven reason to do so, because otherwise the money that you need for your schools, the money you need for the defunding to do whatever pet project you want to do, the money you need for whatever uh, greenery you want to actually fund, all of those monies can be held up if we actually decide that as a nation we are going to put the safety and security of the American people first. That is something that we can do. Stop allowing uh, the government to be used as uh, a lab uh, for people to experiment on their utopian society on paper while the rest of us are trapped in a real live nightmare. I want to ask you, too, you came, I saw that you were up in Buffalo um, not that long ago. Um, Talk about what you said to the folks there, because that was so tragic, what's been going on. And also the mixed, um, the missed messages. I mean, enormous missed messages in that case, Joe Pinion. I mean, the fact that this guy was able to get a gun when he had already been checked out for his mental health um, not that long before for talking about shooting up his school. I mean, this is just crazy. And the fact that also, um, you know, there were the rantings, all these things, and then he goes on his social media page. There's just so many things that are so horrible about this case. What did you say to the folks up there? Uh, We have to stop allowing our pain to be be used uh, to keep us prisoner. We have to stop allowing people to show up with a boogeyman uh, to stoke our ire and also distract from the real issues. To your point. Uh, This was a failure of government. Uh, By all accounts, there was plenty of evidence that was available and plenty of things that should have happened that would have prevented him from having the gun that allowed him to execute this crime in the first place. But I think if you get down to the core of it, right, what we all seen as this heinous display, what I've called uh, the old stain on the human spirit, uh, racism, hatred, unabashedly on display, uh, where we have people who now go victim shopping, whether we're talking about Buffalo, New York, or whether we're talking about uh, down in El Paso, Texas, where that particular mass shooter went looking for brown victims at a Walmart. Uh, we have to recognize that we still have not uh, cured the, what ails the human heart and the human condition. But we also have to realize that there are politicians uh, who to point at Tucker Carlson and Fox News, who want to say that they're going to form a blue ribbon commission to stop hate, like Governor Hochul did, as if she didn't even recognize that there was already a blue ribbon commission to stop hate that hadn't even met a single day, because that's what they do. Uh, they try to say that they care while actually giving lip service that does not actually keep you safe or actually do anything that's going to advance the issue. So I think, again, what I told the people of Buffalo was what I tell people all across this state. We're not going to allow fear to keep your ambitions and your passions hostage anymore. We are not going to tell black people across this state they don't get to talk about the poverty uh, because there is a white supremacist looming around the corner that they don't get to have their day and talk about the fact uh, that three out of five black children in the Bronx live in poverty uh, because they want to have us convinced that somehow Tucker Carlson is responsible for all of our pain and suffering. And this is the year that we get to tell people we're going to build a world that works for all of us, whether you're left of Bernie Sanders, whether you're right of Donald Trump. This is the year where the American people finally say enough is enough. We are going to break our covenant with death. 
We are going to break our, our entrenched tribalism, and we are going to embrace a new uncommon coalition that gets us to the more perfect union we have already sought. Well, and listen, easing the crime and bringing people together, uh, that that is a really powerful and important message. Um, Joe, uh, two seconds left. How can people find out? I know that you are running for U.S. Senate um, against Chuck Schumer. Real quick, how can people find out to help? People can go to JoePinion.com. They can find us online. But um, as people say, uh, again, uh, Bill Clinton said it best, there's nothing uh, wrong with America that cannot be fixed by what is right with America. It's time for us to answer the call. There is no Calvary coming. We are the Calvary, and together we're going to fix this state. We're going to save this nation. We're going to make sure that we have an America that works for every single one of us again. And that is a very, very important message. I wish you so much luck, Joe. Great to have you here on the show. Always great to be with you. Thanks so much. God bless. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much. And we're taking your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. You heard what Joe Pinion has to say and how he believes that this is time that we basically, you know, take back the streets, that things need to clean up and that there needs to be a message, too, of also uh, going after the bad guys, not allowing these repeat offenders, these revolving doors. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm on line one. Norm, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Um, another second, another senseless shooting. More fake outrage. Uh, him and complaining from my mayor on crime. Rather than providing effective solutions like minimum jail sentences, for illegal gun possession in the crime or revoking no Hey, Norm, 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 your, yeah, your yeah. phone's breaking up a little bit. Call us back. Your phone's breaking up. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Mike on line three. Go ahead, Mike. I don't, yeah, I think uh, the American uh, people in, in New York should appoint Rudy Giuliani for uh, mayor because it seems like this new mayor that we got is just show and, and, and nothing else, man. I mean, he, should have had his foot down, and he should have cleaned up uh, town already. You know, uh, I think the New Yorkers should appoint Rudolph Giuliani to to finish off his term because people are dying, people are being murdered in cold cold blood. Yeah, and it is getting really bad. And that was this case. They don't believe that there was any interaction. The guy just kind of randomly goes up to this guy, Goldman Sachs guy. He's there headed to brunch. You know, in Manhattan, it's around 11.40 a.m. on a Sunday. I mean, it's it, it to me is so, so horrible. Let's go to Norm real quick. Line one. Norm, just call back. Go ahead, Norm. Yeah, yeah hi, Rita. No, I listen. Uh, I just think that we should have minimum jail sentencing for illegal gun possession, a crime. Uh, you know, we need to revoke no cash bail. We had these things under Mayor Giuliani and Bloomberg. And, my, you know, I have a cry to Mayor Adams to please stop the presidential pre-campaigning, meet with Mayor Giuliani, and fix my city. And that's the point of my phone call. Yeah. And by the way, the uh, one, I think it's the sister who said, you know, it is time, like, do your job, basically, was her message, I believe, to uh, Eric Adams. Like, do your job, Mr. Mayor. You know, you came in here to clean up the city to fix the city. This is the time to do it. You know, what more does it right. take? And in fact, yeah, it was. It was the sister, Griselda Vile, who we just played a little clip of. She said, you know what? I am asking the mayor to, quote, do your job. I mean, it doesn't get any worse hearing that from the sister of this victim, Daniel Enriquez, 46 years old, again, who was riding 
uh, that subway. Norm, thank you. I'm glad you called back. And everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of the sister of the victim? This is the Goldman Sachs employee telling Mayor Eric Adams, do your job. And now it turns out the person they're looking for is a guy with 19 prior arrests. This is that random shooting on the subway. This is horrible. How do we fix these things, guys? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I am spinning round and round over this one. I'm telling you, I am so heated. See, I knew that line. I knew it would come up. See, I knew it was in there. Who's the singer of this? I got to remember. Steve Miller, I think. Abracadabra. All right. On the Rita Cosby Show. Well, sadly, we are talking about this terrible, terrible case of what happened in broad daylight on a New York City subway. Remember, there was that case not that long ago where the guy opens fire, wounding 10 people. And now over the weekend, another guy with 19 priors, at least he's the prime suspect right now, they're looking for the guy, um, opens fire on a random strap hanger, a guy from Goldman Sachs who is there on his way to brunch on Sunday. It doesn't get, the, the story's just so horrible. Apparently, randomly, Goes over, shoots him, then hands the gun to a homeless guy. Homeless guy gives it to another guy. It's just this horrible story. And the sister of the victim, the victim is Daniel Enriquez, 48 years old. His sister, Griselda, said this. How do you, how do you fathom something like this happening to a regular person? And I don't want my brother to be a statistic. I don't want him to be a number. That's what I keep telling my family. It is absolutely gut-wrenching to hear that. And she wants to make sure that the mayor and others, quote, do their job. That was her message for the mayor. Because she said, no one, no one should have this happen to their family. She said, the worst part, even if they catch this person, he's going to be out again talking about the state's bail reform law. And that's not just a case in New York that is happening around the country. The fact that this guy had 19 priors that they're looking for right now, 19 priors, not one, not two, not three. It's like, how many breaks do you want to give somebody before you say, maybe they're a danger to society? I mean, to me, this is outrageous. It is so outrageous. And the same thing with other prior cases that we've talked about, There's a repeat pattern here of some of these individuals who have committed some of these horrible, violent crimes. And you look and you say, why were they ever out on the street? This bail reform needs to change. And you can't just say we're going to add more cops. You can't just put these people back out on the streets once the cops arrest them because cops around the country are fed up. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sydney. Line eight. Go ahead, Sydney. Your thoughts. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Go ahead, Sydney. Hi. How you doing? Uh, yeah. Uh, my hats go off to the police officers every day. Every time I get a chance, I tell them thank you for what you do for us. 
But, you know, we need somebody needs to come up with a class class action lawsuit against all the politician players that did this reform in the first place. You know, Sydney, Sydney, that's a brilliant idea. That's a really brilliant idea. Um, or at least bring attention. Dom, real quick, you've been waiting for a while. Dom on line five. Go ahead, Dom, real quick. Yeah, no, no problem, Rita. I'm listening to you cleaning my house, so you're going to entertain. Uh, go ahead. Hey, good. <laughs> anyway, I hope the house the is word, clean, real quick. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite yet. But in, in the in the world of people like George Gascon in L.A., Keith Ellison in Minnesota, criminals are innocent until proven guilty. And anyone disagreeing with the Democrats are guilty until proven innocent. That's what we need to change. Yep, that Dom, that's a really brilliant point. We need to change the mindset and get tough. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 